Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. And I am so happy that you're here. I believe that God has a word for you today that will build up your faith and strengthen you to do all that He has called you to do. Praise the Lord. Now, let's prepare our hearts today to receive the holy tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. I would like to read today from the little epistle called Third John, and I'm going to read to you from verse 2. And before I read, let me say a big thank you to all of those that completed the 21-day fast, and those of you that also sowed a special seed of consecration. We talked about cloud seeding, and also that there are special moments when you could capitalize on the significant blessing that God puts upon sacrifice, and many of you sent in a sacrificial seed. I want you to know that me and Pastor Kelly, we have looked at those seeds that have come in online. We have looked at the ones that are coming in through the mail, and we are praising the Lord because I know you have positioned yourself for a great blessing. Praise God. Now, 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Well, as we study God's Word, and we look at the many verses, countless verses really, that just speak to God's prosperity plan for your life, you see that, that health, physical health, material well-being, or financial prosperity, all of these things revolve around a good relationship with God. Because if you have health in your body, but you don't have God in your life, or if you have a lot of financial wealth, you have a lot of money, but again, you don't have God in your life, you are still in an impoverished situation. Because without the Lord, you know, uh, you have no redemption from the problem that has plagued every human who's ever lived on the planet, and that would be the problem of sin. And so, regardless of how healthy you might be without God, regardless of how much money you may have without God, eventually, eventually you will have to stand before the Lord on your day of judgment. And, you know, if you have sin in your life, which there is no human who hasn't sinned, you have sin in your life, then you have a real problem because the only person who made propitiation or an atoning sacrifice for sin is Jesus. And if your faith and trust is not in Jesus, you're going to have a world of trouble on your hands, and you have a very, very hot destination of where you're going to be going. My friends, these things are very, very important, to the point where Jesus said, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul? So you can't exchange anything for the salvation of your soul. There's nothing uh, worth more than that. So true prosperity in the eyes of God, which includes your financial well-being and having excess and overflow so that you can be blessed to be a blessing, and also health in your life so that you can go through this journey of life and enjoy the goodness of God, and as well do the things that God has called you to do. It all revolves around what is spoken here by John the Beloved, the Apostle, as allowing our soul to prosper. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers.
Well, Pastor Stephen, what does it mean for my soul to prosper? Does that mean I take my soul to Disneyland and I really let, I let my soul prosper on the merry-go-round or the or you know what does it mean for me to prosper my soul to go eat a steak at a steakhouse or what? What is all this about? Okay, prospering in your soul is getting into the book. Okay, the roadmap of life known as the Bible. It's getting into God's Word and just feeding on it and nourishing your soul. See, your soul and your spirit are eternal. Okay? And your soul wants to prosper. It doesn't want to be anemic. It doesn't want to be in starvation mode. It wants to be flourishing in the things of God. So you have to allow your soul to prosper. You need to be in the Word. You need to be studying the Word, meditating on the Word, to the point where you're, you're full. And you're just satiated with the things of God. And you're full. And your soul is prospering. Okay? You wake up, you're thinking about God. You're thinking about the Word. You go throughout the day and you're thinking about the Lord you uh, in the evening you're thinking about the Lord but you know a lot of Christians their soul doesn't prosper because their mind is in all kinds of stuff except kingdom assignments and the things of God and because of that the other two things that John spoke about which would be prosperity and health seem in some ways to elude them well, my friends, it's a package deal, and it all revolves around, number one, having a good, solid walk with God. Pastor Stephen, I'm not interested in that. I just want the blessings. No, that's saying that the blessings are somehow greater than the blesser. That, that, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the one who blesses, the blesser himself, God, who creates blessings. So, if you don't want to know Him, then you're in a sense saying that you also don't want to know His blessings. Woo! So we need to be acquainted with God. We need to love the Lord and, and continue to learn about Him and let our soul prosper. And when your soul prospers, you begin to understand God, how He works, His kingdom, His principles. You begin to move into that, tie into that, operate, live your life, and govern your life by the kingdom of light, not by the kingdom of darkness that you used to be in, that He brought you out of. And I tell you, you know, you keep doing this, and your soul starts to prosper, and these other areas just begin to flourish. The blessings begin to flow. Okay? So it's very important to allow your soul to prosper because. We see that the Apostle Paul said that we as Christians, we have the mind of Christ. Now that's an amazing statement. So stop and think about the mind of Jesus, the mind of God, who spoke the world and the, and the universe and all the stars and planets into existence. Think about the creativity of God to be able to do that. Even His creativity expressed in the earth through all the different variations and colors of fish, and birds that fly, and you know, mountain ranges, and all the beauty, and things like that. Think about the creativity within the mind of God. So as a, as a child of God, as a person who's prospering in their soul, which means you're prospering in the Word, prospering in the things of God, you start to think like God does. You start to think like Jesus. You start getting on the same mental wavelength, and creativity begins to flourish in your mind, in your understanding, and 
don't be surprised God uh, gives you a, uh, an idea that can create wealth that can generate prosperity um, because money money is everywhere when you begin to walk in the eyes of the Lord you know a, a pastor friend of mine from Asia just sent me a video and uh, we were communicating on whatsapp and uh, the WhatsApp uh, or the, the chat app. And so we were uh, sending some things back and forth. And so he sent me a video uh, yesterday of a line uh, uh, that just went for miles. It's, it's people lined up uh, somewhere in China. They're, uh, it's in a big city. And they're trying to get masks. They're, they're wanting to buy masks because of, you know, the crazy flu viruses and stuff that are out there and the supposed new strain that's out there. There's no cure, they say, or whatever. At least not for now. But anyhow, they're, they're starting to run out of masks because I guess if you wear one for a few days, it loses its efficiency or, you know, eventually I'm sure it's going to wear out. So they they're looking for more masks and so it showed a line of a store obviously the only store there in the city that had the mask and the line went around the block went around another block went around a few more blocks and then hit a straightaway and the line was just as far as you can see <laughs> you're like wow that's just like crazy and so we were talking about that and you know I, I mentioned to him I said you know everybody in that city is concerned about you know the you know this flu virus and everybody you know talks about the length of the line but there's somebody there's somebody at that store that uh, although they're not you know they're not happy to see people get sick or get or that there's a you know a very lethal virus out there but I tell you what somebody's really really happy uh, selling all of those uh, masks selling them by the thousands and people are willing to pay you know a, a good uh, amount to get them so you know it's a it's a win-win you know the people get a mask and who's ever selling those or it's going to make a whole lot of money and uh, the minister wrote back to me for he responded back when I said that he said yes he said one of my spiritual sons sold 600 cases yesterday of those masks and uh, so somehow he was able to get a bunch and just sold them and uh, made a lot of money but you know th there's money everywhere you know people uh, sometimes I get these emails Pastor Stephen I'm afraid we're going to have war and uh, uh, you know we're going to be attacked by Iran we're all going to get nuked and stuff like that and uh you know, there's people with fears, phobias, and things like that. But you know what? Even when there's war, uh, people are making money. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Money, money is everywhere. And unfortunately, I, I, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. Um, there are certain organizations, whenever there's the winds of war blowing, uh, they actually get really excited about that. Why, why, Pastor Stephen, would that be? Oh, because they're going to make a lot of money. The, the, these are these large corporations that basically exist to create products that they sell to either our government or governments of the world that uh, would be weapons and everything from fighter aircraft to uh, bombs to, um, and on, you know, um, uh, ammunition to artillery whatever it is so so whenever there's war they're like or rumors of war they're like oh you know they're thinking money you know millions and uh, literally billions of dollars so there I'm just saying there's money everywhere in in difficult times times of tension times of you know uh, uh, strain times of whatever there's money there's money when there's good cycles there's money when there's low cycles the thing is is that when you are working God's principles and you're tied in with God in a financial covenant I didn't say a, a, a covenant of salvation as a born-again child of God you have a covenant of salvation but just because you have a covenant of salvation does not mean you're tied in with God with a covenant of prosperity a financial covenant it works totally different 
Praise the Lord. So you want to, of course, be saved and born again, washed with the blood of Jesus in a covenant of salvation. But I would also highly encourage you to lock a hold with God. Take a hold of the horns of the altar. Glory to God and hang on to God with a financial covenant. And you'll see that God's covenant works regardless of whether there's war or no war. Sickness or no sickness. You know, recession or no recession. Because the covenant has no respect for those things. It'll work regardless of what's going on. It'll hold you up. It'll support you. It'll get you through. Regardless of all the shakings that take place in the earth. And as we move further into the end times, uh, shakings are going to become more common, including economic shakings. And, uh, you know, the markets of the world, they're moved by fear. They are fear-based. They shouldn't be. It's awful that they are, but that's just a, a thing that happens in the world. You can, you can hear a rumor in China, and it affects the stock market in America dramatically. And, you know, because... So many things today with commerce, they're tied together. They're global. It may be sold in America, but it may be made in Taiwan. It may be built in America, but sold in South America, and on and on it goes. So something that we hear over there can certainly affect things here. So how do you have stability in times like this? You hold on to the Lord. You come into a covenant with God financially, and it's, it, that, that covenant is anchored on tithing. Okay, it also has uh, principles and requirements in it of honoring God with offerings. Woo, praise the Lord. And you need to live a clean life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you're walking right with God, you have a good conscience. And you always want to have a good conscience with God and with other people. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I just want to encourage you to allow yourself to, as it says, by the Apostle John to be in a place where your soul is prospering. When your soul is prospering, uh, these other things begin to develop the way God wants them to health in your body. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest when your soul is prospering, you're really in the word. Uh, you, you don't want to just, you know, thrash your body and me mess your body up. You know, I've read the writings of St. Francis and St. Francis, uh, he didn't live a long life. And I'm not talking about Pope Francis. I'm talking about the saint from the 1100s that many others, uh, you know, later emulated his life or took his name because he was, St. Francis was a very holy man. But even he admitted uh, just before he died, he had to ask the Lord to forgive him because there were times he just abused his body. He said it was too hard on his body. And there's some uh, Christians, they're, they're either too hard on their body, they don't give themselves enough sleep, or they're workaholics and they're wearing themselves out. And then you have others on the other side, they're just abusing their body by uh, continually, you know, just everything they eat is fried. And, you know, you do stuff like that, you're going to be on the way to heart surgery. And, uh, you know, we're living in a culture where heart disease, uh, I think, is, is like, is, if it's not the number one killer in America, it's one of them. But I think it's actually the number one killer in America today. It's heart disease. People just clogging up their arteries with, uh, with you know, greasy stuff. Now, that doesn't mean you have to live like you're an Olympic gold medal ath uh, athlete and, you know, you're just, you know, juggling everything very carefully or whatever you comes into your body. But you shouldn't pollute it, praise the Lord. So a lot of those health things, they get, they get cleaned up. They get, they get ironed out as you begin to allow your soul to prosper. A lot of these financial things, as you let your soul prosper, those things get healed up also you stop making foolish purchases and foolish decisions with money but you start walking in the wisdom of God Woo! 
You start tithing. Hallelujah. You become a, a sower. Mm-mm. And you, you are thankful to receive, but you become more giving conscience. And you, you, have a, you have a desire to give stronger than you have a desire to receive. And when you move into that strong desire giving, when that becomes predominant, you really are in a place where your soul is prospering greatly in the Lord. Okay, let's get ready to give now. Let's get ready to honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings. The tithe is 10% of all of your earned income. Woo! Pastor Stephen, should it be the gross or the net that I tithe off of? Well, it depends on whether you want a gross blessing or a net blessing. I'd rather, I'd rather take the, uh, the gross blessing. Hallelujah. So that's the way we do it here. We just take the tithe off the top of whatever's coming in. Praise the Lord. If I, if I go out and I, I do a, a ministry engagement or something like that, they give me a check. The first thing I do, I just take whoom, the 10% right off the top. Praise God. Any money that hits my hand, 10% whoosh, right off the top. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't, I don't tithe after I've paid Uncle Sam and maybe paid this. No, I don't do that. I give God the tithe immediately and I give it to him first. Praise God. So the tithe is systematically giving 10% of all of your income to the Lord. And the tithe, according to scripture, it belongs to God. It belongs to God. So technically you actually pay your tithes. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to give this to the Lord. Well, uh, biblically, it already belongs to God. And if you keep it, if you keep it, you're being disobedient. Uh, because it's an act of unbelief. God says that one, that one out of 10 belongs to me. And God says, if you can't trust me to take care of you on the 90, then you don't even have any faith. You know, you don't, you don't know what the concept of faith is all about. So it's disobedience. And you'll notice that those that keep the 10%, they, they'll struggle on the hundred percent. They can't even make it on a hundred percent. So God says, give me the 10%. I'll bless your 90%. And then you get all the covenant blessings that come with that which includes just mainly the rebuking of the devourer in a nutshell that's driving back the enemy. See, here's what Christians that don't tithe, here's what they don't understand. That 10% is still coming out one way or the other. Well, no, God ain't getting my 10%. Uh, you, you go ahead and hold on to it. That the devourers, they'll take it. And you, you won't be able to stop them. They'll come in and take it. And you have all these weird, bizarre things happen. You have maintenance issues. You have things break down that shouldn't break down. You have unexpected bills pop up. You have accidents pop up. And uh, you, you have all kinds of weird stuff that just, it's, it's like rats are eating it up. And you're like, what's going on? It's called the devourer. So it's good to honor the Lord. Pay the tithe that belongs to him anyhow. He'll bless the rest. Woo, glory to God. And you'll be rising in the kingdom. Woo, I see your star illuminated in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And there's also those special times when you can sow seed. You can give offerings above the tithe. Because really, when you tithe, the tithe already belongs to God. You haven't given anything of your own yet because the tithe is already the Lord's. So 10% the tithe goes to the Lord. And then on top of that, just look for those divine opportunities, the leading of the spirit where you can sow good seed. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What is this? This is the prosperity of your soul. Woo. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I'm in. 
Good. You're in the blessing. Praise God. All right. Let's let's bring it into the house of the Lord. Let's bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. If you would like to bring them in online, you can do so by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings sow and reap and you can go there right now day or night anytime around the world and bring them in online now if you would like to mail them in please send them to Stephen Brooks International P.O. Box 717 Moravian Falls North Carolina our zip code is 28654 praise God hallelujah lift your hands let me pray over your tithes and your offerings father I speak blessing and increase over the life of your people, spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, Father God, for their finances being in divine order. Thank you for backing debt down, 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 and out of their lives. I thank you for all of their debts being paid off. I thank you, Father God, for savings, savings, savings. I thank you for investment portfolios. I thank you for joy, because their finances are in order. And I thank you they are walking in the Abrahamic covenant, where they are blessed to be a blessing. Father, we give you all of the praise because you are the blesser. It all originates and comes down from you. Father, we thank you also for ideas flowing of creativity to generate and to create wealth. We give you all of the praise. You are the God who gives us the power to get wealth in Jesus' name. And around the world, we all agree and say, Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Today, Let's talk about a taste for holiness. Woo! Praise God. A taste for holiness. I would like for us to take our holy Bibles and go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word today, that your Holy Spirit would quicken and illuminate the scriptures, the eyes of our understanding being opened. Thank you, Father, that we may take your word and apply it in our lives and enjoy the rich benefits of it, our soul prospering. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we jump into Isaiah chapter 6, let me just say thank you to everybody that has been sowing into our two extra projects that we're working on in the ministry. One is the fence project. We are past one-third of the way. One-third of the fence has already been put up, and it looks absolutely beautiful. So thank you for continuing to sow into that fence project. Also, we have the hangar project, which is for our future incoming ministry aircraft, okay? So if we're going to bring a horse into the ministry, we need a stable. If we're going to bring a jet into the ministry, we need to have a place to put, uh, a place to put it. Pastor Stephen, can you just park it out in the garage? Uh, no, we, we would probably uh, knock a few uh, telephone poles over if we did that we have to do it the uh, correct way and have a hanger praise the Lord there at the website there's a header called projects you'll see those two projects if you would like to sow seed into those it is greatly appreciated and it gives you opportunity to sow and reap praise God Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 in the year that King Isaiah died I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, 
and with two he flew. These amazing creatures, whether it's seraphim or cherubim, uh, such extraordinary beauty. Now, verse 3, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, in this classic chapter of Isaiah chapter 6, which also reveals to us the commissioning and the assigning of the prophet Jeremiah into his calling, into his prophetic ministry. What a glorious moment for him. We also see the conversation that God had, who will we send on our behalf? So you see the conversation between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity talk, as we would say. And here we see that the seraphim would fly, and as they would fly around the throne, they would cry out, holy. And they say it three times as if they're saying, holy to the Father, holy to the Son, holy to the Holy Spirit, the three in one, three distinct persons yet one God. Pastor Stephen, I don't, I don't understand that. It's, that's okay. It's called the mystery of the Trinity. It's just three in one. That's really all it is. But as you meditate on it, yes, of course, it's a lot deeper, and it is a divine mystery. But it's a wonderful thing. But my friends, notice here what they're saying. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Savah. The whole earth is full of His glory. Well, the most brilliant attribute of God is His holiness. Now, we have many attributes that we could study concerning God. God is love. Yes, He is. He is the fullest expression of love. He's actually the definition of what would be called agape love, which is a selfless type of love that looks out for others, has a concern for others, and it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. And then there's mercy. Um, and then there's the compassion of God, and on and on it goes. But the one that has the most brilliance is the holiness of God. And that's why they, when they, when they go around God and they're speaking, they don't say, grace, grace, grace. Not that grace is not beautiful. Not that grace is not amazing, because it is. But it's just that when you see God with the glory being revealed in the fullness of all of the spectrums of the colors of who He is, and the majesty of who He is, that, that word holy just comes out of your mouth. It is just so, He is so clean, He is so pure, He is so sinless, and of course our identification is in Him. <laughs> and so, uh, He's cleaner than any soap, and He can do a work in you, and wash you, and make you cleaner than soap also. God is able to remove every sin, every stain out of the human heart. Woo, that's His holy name. So we see that the, that the seraphim cry out, holy, holy, holy. I want you to have a taste for the holiness of God. And there are times you can begin to taste and smell into the realm of God's glory, where you can taste it and smell it. If you begin to taste into that realm of God's holiness, it'll start tasting like cloves. 
Now, maybe you've never eaten cloves before, um, and that, that could be understandable because sometimes I think the only thing they use them much for today, uh, unless you live in India, but uh, in America, you know, they, unless you're eating like a honey-baked ham, well, if you eat a honey-baked ham, they always just stick a bunch of cloves in the ham. I don't know why, but, you know, I'm sure that seasons the ham. But it's been a while since I, I've eaten pork. Not, not that you sin if you eat pork. I'm just not really in the pork. So um, I haven't really tasted it naturally. Uh, cloves in quite some time but it does have a unique taste that it gets in your mouth it's almost like a, a beautiful metallic type taste but it's sweet yet a little a little bitter but it's just beautiful and the fragrance of cloves is so heavenly but that begins to move you into that realm of the holiness of God Woo, and it's an absolutely beautiful thing if you start picking up cloves and cinnamon in the spirit realm you start to taste that or start to smell that that means you're moving into that burning cleansing fire of the holiness of God hallelujah if you've ever had raw cinnamon just a tiny bit of it uh, put on the tip of your tongue I'm talking about the pure oil of cinnamon Woo, you, uh, it'll it'll just um, it'll burn like crazy now I had a chemist friend of mine Who's, uh, he's actually a pastor in Canada, but he's a world-class chemist, and he's has a dual ministry. He's a full-time pastor, but he's also a full-time chemist. And he read my book, The Sacred Anointing, some years back, and saw how I had dec- decoded the formula that Moses had received from God to create the holy anointing oil. And so he took... He took my measurements and actually created it in a laboratory according to the same amount that I had talked about, which I had gotten, of course, from the Bible. And he came up with the most phenomenal uh, replica of the holy anointing oil. And, uh, you know, he sent me a big glass bottle of it that is so it's so amazing that 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 oil was incredible it you could put it in a in a glass bottle and seal it and open it up a hundred years later I don't think it would be decayed by any bit at all it is so potent but also if you've ever gotten close to any type of replica of the real oil I had some minister friends one time. They told me they were going to make a replica of it. I saw it. I saw what they made. It looked like Mississippi mud. I said, I don't, I don't know who made that, but uh, uh, that, uh, that's like uh, am- amateur level. That's not even amateur. Somebody was just experimenting. I don't know what that stuff is, but the stuff that we had, we had it, it, it's just like liquid gold. But one touch of that, and you got it on your fingers, and if you got Anywhere near that on your sinuses, it would burn you to pieces. This is something you could never market publicly on the market. You, you, you would get sued. <laughs> it's just too hot. Why? It has a very, very high level of pure cinnamon oil in it. And that stuff is like fire. Woo! And sometimes on very special meetings, I would touch people with that oil, like put the sign of the cross uh, you know, put some of that oil on my finger, and then I make the sign of the cross on their foreheads. And 30 minutes later, it's still there. Uh, and you know, 45 minutes later, it's still there. And they're like, "Oh, Pastor Stephen, I'm real hot." <laughs> I just realized this stuff is too hot. I, I can't, I can't use it because um, uh, it's just it's so it's so hot. But anytime you start tasting that, 
or smelling that in the spirit realm because you can taste it in the spirit just like you can smell it in the spirit that means you're beginning to come into the contact with the holiness of God and we need to embrace the holiness of God the psalmist said worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness so don't let um, those who have gone to the extremism of grace uh, turn you off to holiness because holiness is, is just so beautiful that, trust me, if you ever see the Lord like Isaiah did, high and lift, lifted up, and, and that glory not being dialed down, and you see that, you, the first thing coming out of your mouth is holy, holy, holy. Yeah, I, I don't even know if you're going to want to say love. I don't know, know if you'll want to say mercy unless you're crying for mercy, like God have mercy. But I'll, I'll tell you what's going to want to come out of your mouth, holy. Because that's, that's what you see, absolute uh, holiness with a being that has no impurity in him at all sinless and it's it's just it's phenomenal beauty beyond comprehension Woo! praise God well let's let's go let's go a long ways into the future and let's go into the New Testament and see if it has changed any at all we'll find out of course that it hasn't Revelation chapter 4 and this is, of course, the revelation of Jesus as revealed by John the Revelator. Now, Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. Some very interesting creatures in heaven. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, Oh, I, I can't, you have to excuse me. I can't get over some of these pastors who, um, may I say, are uh, like almost like so unspiritual. They think there's no animals in heaven. I actually heard one of the leading pastors, a Baptist pastor, one of the leading Baptist pastors in America say, there's no animals in heaven. I just thought, Lord, Lord, where do these people, where do they come off of these bizarre, unbiblical statements like that? What are they going to do when they meet the cherubim? What are they going to do? Now, I'm not saying these, these creatures are animals, but to think there's no animals in heaven, that's really, that's really some very juvenile theology. Whew, somebody needs to have a vision, and somebody needs to read the book of Revelation, hallelujah, as well as some other books that give very strong indicators, just flat out. I mean, horses, were, were, you know, the saints are coming back on horses. Where are they getting the horses from if there's no horses in heaven? Whew, some of these people, whew, be very careful when you read theological commentaries because a lot of them were written by men who had the fundamentals of faith down good but beyond basic fundamentals uh, they they could not navigate in the spirit and sometimes they put these blanket statements out there and uh, the, the, and the statements were just flat out wrong so if you want to get over in the things of the spirit you might have to get you some new set uh, uh, some new sets of some new theologies or a the, not not a new theology but some new theological books because uh, some of that stuff out there can be really, really dry. All right. Now, verse 7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. Maybe they'll let him in heaven. Okay. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. 
and they do not rest day or night. Now these are not the seraphim, these are the four living creatures, and they do not rest day or night saying, oh, Pastor Stephen, I know what they're saying. They're saying, love, love, love. No, that's not in your Bible. Now, yes, God is love. God is love. But I'm just saying, that's not what they're saying. We need to stick with the Word. What were they saying? I know what they're saying, Pastor Stephen. They're saying grace, grace. No, if you lived in the last decade, maybe you thought that's what they were saying, but that's not what they were saying. Because the last decade from 2010 to 2019, it's, it's just, I don't know how many books on grace were written, and grace is, is an absolutely beautiful subject. It is wonderful, and I love grace. But, um, you know, that's not what they were saying. They were saying, holy, holy, holy. Let that sink into your spirit. I don't know about all this holiness stuff, Pastor Stephen. Well, then you don't know your Bible, and you probably don't know too much about God. Because He is holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was, and is, and is to come. Pastor Stephen, where will we be 10 million years in the future? Oh, we'll still be saying holy, holy, holy. See, He who was, and who is, and who is to come, He'll always be holy, holy, holy. Praise God. God wants you to have a taste for holiness. Praise the Lord. I remember years back when me and my wife had just graduated from a prophetic school of ministry. And it felt really good. We, you know, we accomplished it. We did all the classes, did all the courses. And if you graduated, then one of the blessings is that they would take the presbytery or the eldership, and not just the eldership, but the elders, the ones that could flow in the Spirit prophetically, they would take you they would have you sit in the chair, and then you would be able to receive prophetic ministry from seasoned prophetic ministers. So they put me and Kelly in the chair, and these prophetic ministers began to prophesy. And, and it was all good. But even when it's good, when it's all good, sometimes there can be some things that stand out that are just not, they're not only good, they're exceptional. And you'll, you'll never forget them for the rest of your life. And one of the prophets said to me, he said, Stephen, he said, your security is in your purity. Mm, and that, that went into me as something that would have been no different if Jesus stood in front of me and said that to me. Because in a sense, he was, and he was saying it through that prophet. So when that prophet said that to me, he said, now, I'd never heard that in my life before. And, you know, I've been, I've been in church a lot. I've been, I'm in meetings all the time. I'd never heard anybody say that phrase or that statement like that ever since either. But he looked at me and said, Stephen, he said, your security is in your purity. Now, you and I both understand that that purity is not some kind of inner holiness that I have because I'm Stephen Brooks. No, that, Stephen Brooks uh, doesn't have it. It's who I am in Christ. So my identity and my, my way of living has got to be tied in to the nature and character of Christ. What is that? God is holy. So holiness is purity. So I knew that if I want to reach the, the destiny that God has for me, that means clean living. Mm. And the truth is, any believer that wants to go into the realms of God's best blessings, 
You're not going to get there through some dirty road. Hallelujah. You're not going to get there through some uh, road where you're constantly lying, you know, you know, swindling, cheating, uh, you know, another con job. You're not going to get there pulling stunts like that. That stuff, uh, that stuff, maybe the carnal mind in a Christian thinking, well, I, ha I have to do this. This is the way the world does it. But you don't have to do that to get to the top. And if you think you do, you've been lied to and you've bought a lie. I would say regurgitate it and throw it out right now in the name of Jesus and get free from that and get clean. Hallelujah. You think God wants a dirty witness at the top? No, God wants a clean witness at the, at the top. We are his ambassadors. An ambassador should take a bath daily. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Pastor Stephen, what are you doing today? I'm trying to develop a taste in you for holiness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. So they're crying out still, holy, holy, holy. Day and night, they're doing it right now. And it's beautiful. Praise God. Let's go for a moment to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Watch. Well, now watch this. We're talking about God's man. Maybe you're a lady, okay? God's woman. Here's an example of God's men. Watch the core relation. It's not, it's not luck. It's not chance. Throw that stuff out. It doesn't work in the kingdom. Throw it out. Well, Pastor Stephen, I live in the magic kingdom. No, there's no magic, and there is no other kingdom that's out there besides the kingdom of light or kingdom of darkness. Get out of fairy tale, make-believe stuff. Get into the Word. Watch this. Watch this. Watch the core relation between holy living and wealth. Watch, watch it. It's together. And it has to be together if you want to go to the top with God. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless. Well, Pastor Stephen, uh, Job should have known it. Hey, sometimes you've got to tell little off-color jokes to get in good with the boys. No, 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 you don't. Who told you that? Job didn't tell you that. He was blameless. Had a clean tongue. Mm. And, and upright. Upright. What does that mean? Righteous. In the eyes of God. What does that mean? Right way of living. Mm. A, a lifestyle that glorifies the Lord. Clean. Clean. Ah. Mm. I'm getting it in my spirit. Some, there's some people out there watching. I'm not looking. Pastor Stephen, you're talking to me. I'm not looking. Some people out there, there's a few that need to find the soap. I'm not talking about a natural bath. I'm talking spiritually. Praise God. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. And one who feared God and shunned evil. Pastor Stephen, what does that old-fashioned word shunned mean? It means he stayed away from it. He didn't like it. He didn't enjoy it. He was not riding the fence to see how close he can get to be being dirty while somehow hoping he could stay clean at the same time. He stayed away from evil. Mm, praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess if he did that, I guess he struggled. He was poor and broke. Nope. He had seven sons and three daughters. 
Verse 3, also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He had the largest vehicle, commercial vehicle dealership in the entire, in the entire, that quadrant of the world. Amazing, amazing wealth. Because the camels, you know, that, that's the means of transportation back then. That was the Mercedes Benz. Maybe could even better be called the Bentley. Praise the Lord. And he had a lot of them, and he sold a lot of them. He was the greatest of all of the people of the East. Not by luck, like by, not by chance, not by swindly dealings or crooked dealings. No. He was a righteous man, and he realized that that blessing comes from God. And if you want to work with God, you have to work on His terms and conditions. He wants you living a clean life. Mm, praise the Lord. Let me tell you something in the business world that's big. A good name where you have a reputation that you don't rip people off, you don't take advantage. Now, now, yes, you need to make a profit, but people understand that. Nobody has any problem with that. But uh, to have a good reputation where you don't do crooked deals and you don't, you don't, you can't be bought out. You don't take bribes and stuff like that. And, th and that stuff in D.C. is, uh, it's everywhere. And a lot, in a lot of governments, of city governments, local city governments, the stink of taking bribes is, uh, it's, it's rampant. There have got to be righteous men and women who are blessed that can say, I don't need your bribe. I don't, I don't need you handing me money behind my back to give you some kind of a deal where you can, you know, I do this and do that. that that's illegal. We can't do stuff like that. Not only is it wrong to do it, I'm not going to do it. I don't need to do it in the first place. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. And I'm certainly not going to mess up the blessing by getting in the crooked dealings. Mm. And by the way, you don't want to go to jail either or prison. Praise God. That's where all that crookedness leads to. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Job was a very holy and a very godly man. Praise God. You know, the Lord really does extend a lot of help in these areas of helping us to be molded into the image of Jesus and getting out of us and getting into a, a state of crucified lifestyle, the impulses of the flesh that would be impulses to do things that are not in the character of Christ. We see this very clearly in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Paul said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust, or it has cravings against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. That is, if you're weak and you yield to it and you don't know how to deal with it, okay? But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are, and then we have the laying out of these various works. Now remember, anytime you see or hear about any one of these works, know immediately that any time, whether it's yourself or somebody else that's doing that, know immediately that that person is in the flesh. Well, Pastor Stephen, I do that. Well, if you're doing that, that just simply means you're in the flesh. It's like getting out and getting dirty, rolling around in the dirt. You may not feel like you're rolling in the dirt, but in the eyes of God, that's what you are doing. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, it's very obvious. If you're doing these things, you may think you're in the Spirit, but no way are you in the Spirit. You are in the flesh. What are, what are those things? They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. The first four are listed first on purpose because they're very easy to slip into because the levels of pleasure they would give unlawfully to the person that would yield in that area. So most people, if they're just going to get into the flesh and say, oh, who cares? I'm just going to let it go. Very often they gravitate in towards those leading four because they're very convenient. They're very upfront. And it's all in the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Okay, then we go on. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. You see a lot of Christians, they get in the jealousy, and they, they'll say, oh, I'm just I'm in the spirit. No, you're not in the spirit. You're in the dirty, nasty flesh. You're jealous. You're jealous, jealous, jealous. <laughs> and it's so obvious. And it's nothing but the flesh. Outburst of wrath selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Let me say this, any heresy, any false teaching from a false prophet, it's not hard to discern. How can you tell? What's the big clue of a heresy? What's the big clue? It's in the flesh. It's telling you to do something contrary to what God's Word says. Now, God's Word is going to allow for holy living, and God's Word has a lot of freedom for fun within the boundaries and context laid out by the Word of God, but any heresy will take you over into something that violates God's Word and will get you dirty. You'll, it'll get you in the flesh. Any heresy will always be in the flesh. What's a very popular heresy that floats around in evangelical circles on the outskirts of evangelical circles. What's a very popular heresy? One that's very popular today is the false teaching that there is no such thing as hell. That when we die, well, eventually we're all going to be restored back to God anyhow. And even, even Satan will be restored back to God. Even Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin, they'll all be restored back to God. There's no such thing as hell. Eventually we'll all be made right with God eventually. That is just such total total filth. That is such a lie straight from hell itself. And Satan must laugh his head off when he hears uh, these false prophets teach that and try and proclaim that. Because just look at what that produces. It produces nothing but flesh. Because a person would say, well, if that's true, well, then we might as well just go out and do anything we want. Oh, you mean go out and live in the flesh? Yes. See, any heresy will always be something that's in the dirty, filthy flesh. Praise the Lord. Verse 21, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, oh, this is amazing. Pastor Stephen, this is where I struggle. Okay, here's why. It's because the fruit of the Spirit is never any kind of fruit that you can produce in your own self. In other words, as your own individual entity, these things don't reside in you. They reside in the Spirit. And as you reside in Jesus the vine, then what's in Him, which is the life of the Spirit and that fruit, then it begins to come into your life. But outside of that, 
outside of that, even as a Christian, there can be some things that you can get yourself tangled up in that you find yourself like, hey, uh, God, I feel like I'm in a real mess here, and I, I can't really get out of this. Why? Because in your own strength, you can't. In your own ability, you can't. And unless that fruit, which is in Him, not in you, which is in Him, begins to come over into you, you will not know the victory. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Well, let's say there's something, for example, maybe that you struggle with that's a, maybe like a secret addiction, and you can't get free. And you think, well, Pastor Stephen, I've tried, but every time I try, eventually I, I hit this wall, and I, I have these urges and compulsory, like driving type things, that I just, I just end up going bananas and uh, yield to it and end up doing it again. What should I do? Okay. What you're saying is that you don't have the ability to exercise self-control. Yes, Pastor Stephen, that's correct. Okay, in your own strength, in your own self-control, that would not be surprising that you run up against something that, that you basically say, yeah, I, I have no breaks in that area. Okay, then what do you need? You need the self-control of the Spirit, because trust me, Jesus could put on the brakes. Do you believe that? If Jesus uh, faced something that he knew that was wrong, he could put the brakes of self-control on and say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not yielding to anything like that. No. So what you need is fruit of the Spirit in your life. This fruit is not in us just because, you know, we're good people. No. It comes because of who we are in the Lord. And as you abide in the vine, and as you say, Jesus, not me, because there's nothing in me that's, that's good that, or has strength, but Lord, let your strength come into me. Let the fruit of your spirit come into me. And when you do that, the Lord will always, 100% of the time, be there to impart His life into you. But if you think you're so big and so smart and you got it all figured out, uh, he'll just let you hit the wall, hit the wall. But if you want him to bail you out and help you, he's right there if you really mean it. And if you say, Jesus, I can't, but I know you can, down comes the arm of the Almighty to lift you up and to pull you through. Why? It's his fruit, it's not yours. We don't produce these things in ourselves. I don't do miracles because I'm Stephen Brooks. There's no kind of inherent power in me. What flows out of me that would be power, that would be a stream of righteousness, is because I'm tied into the vine. And so anything good coming out of me, that's Jesus flowing through me. That's the power of the Spirit flowing through a yielded vessel. May it be so in your life as well. May you never know captivity another day of your life. May it turn now in the name of Jesus, you go free. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if you ever get hit with something and you just think, Jesus, I can't. Well, then say that. Say, Jesus, I can't. Help me. I need your strength. I'm not strong enough. And boom, it'll start flowing. It'll start flowing. And that fruit will start producing in your life. And it's beautiful. May God receive all of the glory. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My friends, take time to be holy. You cannot have this worked out in your life with rush, 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 go, go, go. And I'm into rushing. I'm into from the perspective of let's get things done. But you must also have the time where you sit and you take time to be holy. Like the old song, the old hymnal, 
take time to be holy it's a, it's a beautiful song that, that's why there's such an anointing on the hymns because I'm a firm believer that if you take the music away and you can't sing to that song that song uh, probably does not have its origins from heaven maybe out of somebody's creative mind but perhaps if you can't sing to it then the origins aren't from heaven I like songs that's why I love the hymns every hymn you could take you could take the music away and if you're left with it a cappella, you still sing it there's still an anointing Hallelujah. They have to be songs you can actually sing to. All of the Psalms in the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, you can take them and sing them. You can put melody to them and you can begin to sing them out. They're anointed. But if this, if this, some of these things that are popular, if you can't actually sing to it, uh, you know, unless you have like some kind of, you know, super advanced, you know, synthesizer with, you know, 40 different sounds going on in the background, then um, I doubt the authenticity of the, uh, the source of that as being divine. Praise God. Hallelujah. Take time to be holy. Sing songs to the Lord where you worship Him in the beauty of holiness. And take time to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I can't, but you sure can. Jesus, come on. Let your strength flow into me right now. Jesus, I need you. You are divine. Outside of you, I can do nothing. Mm, glory, 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 glory. Let this be worked out in your life. Here's a beautiful prayer. Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you continually fill me with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus, not by you, not by your, not by your grandmother who was maybe a holy praying woman. No, no, they're by Jesus, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Mm. But these things are things that you pray out, that you slow down and take time. Now, you exit your devotional life. You move into the fast lane of life. And you accomplish a lot. That creativity of God's all over your mind. You're doing all kinds of things. Everything you touch is flourishing and blessing. And you're on it. God's blessing it. But please, don't get so busy that, that you begin to neglect the power source, which is taking time with the Lord. Where, see, holiness in its basic meaning means set apart. But not set apart unto something that's just vague or generalized set apart unto God so that you can become a golden vessel that he can pour his golden glory through mm -mm. thank you Jesus watch this not just words of victory not just theories that describe how to live but actually living it in the secret life and in the public life. Mm -mm. See, they watched Daniel. They're looking for something dirty on Daniel. And they found something. God. What'd you find on him? God. God, God, God. All that guy does is pray all the time. <laughs> Woo! Woo! We wiretapped him. We got all of his phone messages. What'd you get? God. He's on the phone talking to somebody about God. 
Hmm. Did you get his text messages? Yeah, we got them. What'd you get? He was talking to somebody about God. Hmm. Hmm. Take time to be holy. Speak often with your Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This will begin to get worked out in you, and you'll begin to have a taste for holiness. A taste for it. A taste. A literal taste for it. Lift up your hands. Father, I pray for your people that this taste turn into an appetite. An appetite that is so strong. Where they pursue you. They pursue you. Thank you, Father God, that you will feed them. And as they draw near to you, you will draw near to them. There will be divine encounters. Father, we give you praise. We thank you that you are holy, holy, holy. Let's all declare that right now. Just say, oh God, you are holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Oh God, we worship you in the beauty of holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's do something very holy. And let's take communion together. Somebody's watching, and your life is not right with God, and you're aware, you're aware that there's sin in your life. And as it says, as it says, our sins have separated us from a holy God. What is the solution? How can the chasm caused by sin, how can it be bridged? Through the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is also God, but he became a man to redeem us from sin. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you would like to receive forgiveness of your sins, now is your opportunity. Don't wait another moment. Pray this prayer out loud after me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm full of sin. And I realize that. But Jesus, I know that you have paid the penalty for sin. Jesus, you died at Calvary, and you were raised from the dead on the third day. I now put my faith and trust in you. Jesus, save me now. Wash my sin away. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you now. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me right now. Hallelujah. And it is done now. It is done. The blood of Christ has washed all of your sin away. Now rise up and begin to serve the Lord with all of your heart. God has a beautiful plan for your life. Heavenly Father, let us all take communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. It is set apart now as holy. We look at it and we see a little wafer and grape juice. But we know that it is the blood of Christ and the body of Christ, and we receive it in faith as such. Father, as we partake of the body of Jesus, we thank you that you are holy. This is a holy act. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Father God, for victory over sin. Hallelujah. Thank you for your strength infused into these mortal bodies. Oh, God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We receive his body now. Amen. Let's partake together. 
the fruits of righteousness are being worked out in your life right now praise God God has his eye of favor on you praise the Lord father thank you for the blood of Jesus father we thank you over our lives we plead the blood come on plead the blood over your life right now we plead the blood over our over our marriages we plead the blood of Jesus over our families over any children not serving the Lord we plead the blood of Jesus Satan take your hands off of them in the name of Jesus father we plead the blood of Jesus over our bodies that we might serve you hallelujah we plead the blood of Jesus over our finances over our money that we might serve you hallelujah the blood of Jesus thank you O God we receive it in his mighty name amen and amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. That taste is greatly cultivated. Go out, enjoy the Lord, and keep pursuing the holiness of God. And the beauty of the Lord will be seen upon you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed. Bye bye.